You're listening to How To with Katie and Suze, a podcast created for the young Christian who wants to understand faith in real life. These are your hosts, Katie Hathaway and Suzanne Rhodes. Hey everyone, welcome to this incredible episode of How To With Katie and Suze. We are so stinking excited. And by we, I really mean me. I think Suzanne's excited for this too. But I cannot wait for this episode with the Emma Butler. Emma Butler is one of my closest and dearest friends on this entire planet. She is just one of the best people. And I'm so excited to have her on to talk about this really interesting topic. Um, She's talking to us about how to have hope in the midst of grief. And Emma is able to talk about this because she is one of the most hopeful people I know, but also has been through a lot in her life that lends her to be able to speak on the harder side of this. She lost her dad to cancer in August of 2019. Um, But since then, she has begun to lead grief groups at Union, where we went to college together. She is getting her master's in mental health counseling and is truly glorifying God in this entire situation, just like her dad would um, want her to and continues to inspire her to to this day. And I am just so excited to have her talk today to us about how to hold both hope and grief in the same hand. Um, So Emma, I love you so much. And I just can't wait to hear your story because every time you tell it, I just get so excited and inspired. And um, would you just tell us more about who you are and your story? Uh-huh. Yeah. So that intro was like a lot um, in the nicest way possible. So I just really appreciate all of those kind words. That was extremely nice. So yeah, about, I'll share my grief story. Um, I'm going to try and make it brief, for real. I'm really going to try. So I have always had a a pretty like close family, and I would also say a fortunate family because I lived in a house and had three meals a day. And I was super fortunate to have, like, not only fortunate, but extremely lucky to have a dad who was so incredibly special and wanted nothing but to work so hard for his family and for his children because he wanted to provide so much for his kids and his wife and he just wanted everybody to be happy and he had such a gift of making people feel special. And so as his daughter, it was, it is seriously such an honor every day to be his daughter because I was able to feel so loved and cherished by my dad, which is something that so many girls can't say. And so basically, I've always been very close to my dad. And we, I'm the youngest of three girls. And I have always been a little bit different from the rest of my family in that I was raised on SpongeBob. Nobody else was. And SpongeBob genuinely formed my personality. Seriously, that's like a podcast for a different day. Um, 
Wait, can I jump in? Uh-huh. So I I need to let the listeners know I stalked Emma again for the like 1400th time because I think her Instagram's the coolest. And um, she has a story up in your highlights. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. It's you and Olivia, your sister's text messages back and forth. <laughs> and you, you said like something like I am an Enneagram 7 because of Spongebob or something. And Olivia responded, it's because Spongebob raised you. Yes. <laughs> that got me so good earlier today. Oh and my it's goodness. Um, so because Spongebob was one of my parents, um, I have just like grown up with this like different like kind of more of a bolder personality I guess where I don't really get embarrassed like that kind of thing and my dad just could really relate to that and he loves Spongebob and so my dad and I have just always always bonded and I wanted to do everything that he did so I golfed and I loved the George Bulldogs still do still golf whatever All I I loved everything he did just because he did it. And um, anyway, so obviously my dad and I have always been very close all through middle, high school. Um, We talked every day and watched everything together and just enjoyed each other's company. And um, I went to college. Yeah, after that long um, opening, hello. Um, And I said I was gonna make it brief. I really am making it brief from here on out. I went to college. I'm like just kind of ready to spread my wings, whatever. And my dad, about a month in to me being at college, he starts experiencing these stomach issues where he couldn't eat food without feeling like he was going to throw up. And it went on for over a month and it was really concerning. And, um, long story short, he ended up having stomach cancer a very rare stage three at the time and it was the actual name for it is called linitis plastica but it's just a stage three stomach cancer that's different from most cancers because of the way it's made up and um it's nearly impossible to see in scans because like you really can't see it on a scan until it is fully until it has like fully eaten an organ and that's like beyond aka stage three or four of a cancer um like you don't just see it on a scan when it's starting to form so it had probably been there for years honestly and we just didn't know it it, (coughs) sorry and so i was in college and it was on halloween that we found out it was on Halloween of 2017 that we found out that he had stage three cancer, stomach cancer. And basically, you know, that day was one of the obvious worst days of my life, my dad's life. And one thing that does stand out from that day is that he, I remember I was on the phone with him, making sure he was okay, as I was obviously holding back tears as I had been sobbing all morning and I'm like trying to make sure he's okay. And the whole time he's just telling me on the phone how great he is, how great he's going to be, how hard he's going to fight this and how I should never be worried about him and how 
like he's going to be there for me. Like, it just, I mean, I don't know what kind of psycho is able to say those things after being diagnosed with cancer, but like, he he's, was just that special where he genuinely only cared about uh, everyone else, and especially his family. And so he went under, he went through, um, I mean, seriously, countless chemotherapy treatments. So he went, and not just like chemo, but like extremely aggressive, like the most aggressive chemo he could have because his cancer was so aggressive. So, but, but he was, he was ready. So he went and had chemo every other week. And, um, which for anyone who understands chemo, it's just, is the absolute worst because you get it injected for a few days and then it stays in your system for, you know, a couple weeks and gives you the worst side effects. And it's just, you know, makes you lose all of your hair, makes you lose weight and causes so much pain and suffering. It's just, it just sucks that that's the way that like cancer can be cured through further pain. Anyways, so he underwent all this chemotherapy from, you know, Halloween all the way until May of 2018 when we went to MD Anderson, which is a massive cancer institute in Houston, Texas. And he was able to get, which I say able to get because he considered himself to be super lucky to get this surgery because a lot of people can't, but he like qualified for this random study MD Anderson was doing. Um, basically they, in May, it was right after, um, I had just taken my finals at Union and I flew out to Houston and he, had his entire stomach removed. And when I share this, a lot of people are like, wait, how do you like literally do anything if your stomach's gone? Good question. Um, I don't know how he did it for real. Because basically they had to move one of his small intestines over to where his stomach was. And it only took like, it was 30% of the amount of a regular stomach. So way smaller than what a stomach can hold. So he underwent that surgery in hopes to remove all of the cancer. And we thought it worked because um, they said they thought they got all of it, really. And he was on a feeding tube for several months. And so, like, my mom and I helped, you know, feed him through the feeding tube and be his caretaker through that process, which was a really, honestly, really sweet and cherished time. And so for six months, he was just recovering from getting his stomach removed, you know, trying to learn how to eat again after a few months being on a feeding tube, all of that. When finally in November um, of 2018, my dad went to go get a six month scan after getting his stomach removed, to which they found that his cancer had not fully been removed, that there was still part of it there and at that point because it was still there and outside of the stomach they considered it to be stage four and my dad continued to remain positive continued to remain hopeful and did nothing but rely on God constantly and that was the way that he dealt with it and that's what he told everybody is he always quoted John three thirty: he must become greater I must become less therefore he is greater than I. I am so weak. I have cancer. I am, 
I have every reason to be terrified and sad and depressed. And, but God is so much greater than I am. And the more that I'm weak, the more that he takes over me. And, and, and that's exactly what happened to him. Like he was so joyful and happy despite his circumstances. And so without a stomach, um, he started doing the aggressive chemotherapy again from November, 2018 until July, 2019. So that like whole eight month period, you know, he's getting scans and scans and scans and all this chemo. And they're telling us so many different things of, we see it. We don't see it. We see it. We don't see it. Oh, you can take, you can take a chemo break. Oh, actually just kidding. It's still there. You know, for anyone who's dealt with anyone with cancer, you know, it's like the most massive roller coaster that you can't get off and it's constant up and downs and it's the worst ride in the world. (laughs) And basically he just went on that ride for the next eight months. And in July of 2019, when he was on, believe it or not, a two month chemo break because they thought that he was doing better. It turned out that he was not doing better. And but like I said, this cancer is so hard to see. So, you know, they just they just genuinely could not tell. Well, it turned out he was the cancer had been eating up, up his entire body pretty much. We just didn't know. And basically he was put on hospice on July 26, 2019 after having an excruciating week of pain and that just kept getting worse in his stomach and well his he didn't have a stomach but like that area <laughs> and basically to them being put on hospice and then which was a massive shock honestly when he was put on hospice that was shocking especially because he was on a chemo break but that just shows the roller coaster that cancer is and then 20 days exactly after that he ended up passing away, which was on August 15th, 2019. And that's my dad's cancer story. And that's kind of part of my story with it. Um, I'm able to share like the facts about it and not like feel anything because those are facts. And I'm not talking about my feelings. I'm not talking about how I feel, how it makes me feel. And so that's, that's the initial story of his cancer and like 0.01% of my, my like personal journey with his cancer. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Would, would you be willing to share your story in that? Yeah. Yeah. I I can try. Um, I definitely will. So I'll talk a little bit about, really what the grief looks like um because like since his death that's what I'm going to focus on more because how it felt during his cancer journey is something I'm still trying to figure out because me and my entire family were on such a survival mode that we did not sit and actually like understand what was going on and I still don't even really know what happened, honestly. And so I I won't talk about like 
the cancer part because like my because I, I don't even really know like what happened like it was honestly such a blur of a 22 month span but basically I since my dad's death has been the heaviest and hardest and just like it's something that I don't know how to put words on and I don't know how to describe to someone because it just is honestly unfathomable you know when somebody that you don't ever question their mortality you don't really question the fact that they are human and you don't you know sometimes maybe you might have that thought of like oh my gosh like what if something happened and then you're like no 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 there's no way you know and you just shoo it away and it's over and my dad was one of those people where there was no so i i kind of had this idea when i became you know this like when i when i was really following god in early high school and i kind of had gathered like you know if god really cares and loves me he's going to do what's best for me he's going to do what's best for my life and so i thought that that looked like making great things happen and making my life just this bright sunshiny wonderful thing and like something you know that i could expect and that i could be comfortable in and so when you know the person who i knew god could never touch if he really loved me he knew that he could never let satan get a hold of my most favorite person in the world you know there's just no way and so when my dad got this diagnosis fought it with such hope and bravery and strength and then ended up dying from it which was a total other thing you know and it's just so it it to say that it like shocked my system is an un- <laughs> is an understatement and it definitely shifted the way that i viewed god and it made me extremely frustrated and it especially those first few months like i would say the first 6 months i was nothing but angry which there are five stages of grief you know which are Denial, anger, depression, bargaining, acceptance. Now, that's not in the correct order, but those are the five stages. And I would I would say anger is the stage that I have dealt with more than any stage because there's this sense of injustice to all of this. And any form of injustice is just infuriating. And so when it's feels like this personal injustice of this isn't right this is a massive wrong that still has yet to be made right and why is it still like why is it still wrong why has why hasn't anything happened to fix this to help this i thought you know 
um, I, an example of the denial, I would say, is when I went to my dad's grave the first time after he passed, I said, I walked up and I was like, hey, so uh, this is a really good joke. That was really funny. And I think it's time that you come back. And I left. I literally turned around. Like, I'm pretty sure I, like, literally dapped up Tombstone. And I was like, all right, I'll see ya. Like, see ya tomorrow when you come back, you know. And I'll be honest. I, I said that same statement pretty much every time I visited his grave up until this past August which is two years later. And that sounds crazy. It sounds like, are you serious? But like, I, even though I have been so upset and so like rageful at the fact that my dad has died. And even though I, have been grieving so much the past two years that still that part like that shock and that denial that's there was just still present and it took a solid two years to even be able to go to my dad's grave and say I know you're not coming back and when I had to do that in August that was the one of the worst days of my life having to say that and you know, even though I said it, and I did believe it, I still struggle. Like, I, you know, I, I still am not every day, you know, saying to myself, I know he's not coming back, because it's just, it just is so wrong. Like, death is just wrong. And losing someone is wrong. It's so inhumane. And it's just so clear that we're not made for this. We're not made for death. We're not made to experience this type of tragedy. And God knows that. And that's why it's so hard. That's why it's so sad. It doesn't make sense. And I don't know. And so I would say denial and anger have been very strong in my personal grief journey. And a lot of like with denial too comes distraction and distracting yourself is so easy and so, and sometimes necessary. It really is. Sometimes it is necessary to distract yourself and do things that are good for you and like remind yourself of things that you enjoy, stuff that you and your loved one enjoy, you know? And I don't know. It's just incredibly up and down. And I'm going to share this too. So when I, I was kind of reaching this, I would say senior year of college, I was like, okay, I, it was my first year of college where, you know, my dad was not there and I just had no choice but to actually focus on school. And I was like, okay, I'll have to do that. I'll try. And I did. And I made a lot of new friends and got to reconnect with old friends. And like, it was such a good year, such a good year. And I was distracted, you know, I, I was leading a grief group. And I was discussing my grief once a week. Other than that, I was happily distracted. 
And it was great. And I think I needed it. I think I needed a normal year of college, just like one. And, you know, normal quote, it was still terrible, but like, just like something that felt normal. And it wasn't until I graduated and moved to a new city, started working at a coffee shop, started my master's program, got engaged, all these massive life changes that absolutely my grief that I had been hiding from literally just said, a peekaboo, I'm right here. <laughs> and was like, I've never left. And absolutely punched me, slapped me, absolutely just ran me over with a car in August of this past year, which was the two year mark of my dad's death. And that's and that that's a big mark too, I would say. Um, because first year is shocking. Second year is like, oh, this is real. And so I kind of I really experienced a brand new phase of grief this past August, September, October, with all these massive life changes and um, it caused a lot of anxiety. It caused depression for the first time, and which again is a stage of grief. And anxiety is not a stage of grief, but it totally should be because how could you not be anxious after losing someone so close to you? I don't know. Um, but even though I've really had to work through some really difficult problems with my grief this past year and just some like heavy realizations about the fact that he's actually not here I am really finding myself to be in a lighter headspace I would say where it's starting to feel where it's it's not massively weighing me down every single day like it was I think I'm finally having days where I'm okay where I'm looking around and I'm like okay I'm actually like surviving I'm okay and I mean I it, it's just it's so weird because I don't know how you like get okay but I think just like with time and with community and I'm, I have a whole thing about God that I haven't even started, but we'll get there. Um, yeah, it's just, and the thing about God is, is obviously good. Like I'm, <laughs> it's not bad. Um, anyways, I, I don't know. Grief is just insane and it sucks and it's terrible. And there's like nothing else I can say. Um, I could start tearing up right now, so I'm just blocking off my emotions and putting them in a little corner, and and they're just going to sit there because, you know, we've already cried once on this Amen. podcast, so it's fine. Um, but I am going to say, and I may cry saying this, I am just really proud of you, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay, moving on, so, or I will actually start crying again. Um, I have had the privilege of knowing you since... Gosh, when was it? January of 2018, I guess? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, January of 2018. And got to um, see you walk through a lot of that up close and from far away. And um, 
that has truly been one of the biggest blessings of my life of getting to watch you um, just walk through all of that and see how you have okay yep we're not crying so we're moving on (laughs) um moving on so the thing that has mind boggled me every single day of being your friend is how even when you are talking about grief and losing your dad and all the things that you have had to go through because of that you are still hopeful in the midst of it so what does that look like for you even on days where everything is the worst and you feel like it's all crumbling in on you and like that weight that you were talking about is really heavy what does it look like for you because I don't think it's instinctive like I don't think it's like right this all sucks but you know it's fine like I don't think it's like you don't start off with the hope you start off with the grief so what does it look like to add the hope into it and remind yourself of like hope that comes and and what does that look like for you yeah that really is a good question and I would say there's also like an appropriate level of being in your grief and feeling it and also hoping and having hope and because you know if you lean too much to one side of either of those it can get a little it can get a little messed, a little complicated. And, but you know, there's some days when if your body is like, let's grieve and let's not move all day, then listen to it, you know, then do that. Like, don't move all day. That's fine. But you know, if you're doing that for, let's say a month straight, you know, then it's, it gets a little, maybe we should seek some like outside help and people and resources but then on the other hand if you're like oh my gosh everything's totally fine he's in such better place like I'm so fine like everything's so great and beautiful like I like literally like can't wait to see him like again like it's gonna be so like I mean like I have nothing to be sad about like at all like literally no tears left to cry Ariana Grande slay like nothing's wrong like and as great as that is that also can be dangerous because you're not listening to the grief and the sadness that is definitely there and present when losing someone and that's normal and that's natural and okay the like what gives me such hope personally is how much that god encourages grief and how much he encourages lamenting and and being sad and like feeling stuff and not just shoving it down and being like, everything's great, everything's fine. How are you? I'm great. You know, like, like he does not have that personality where he wants us to cover it up and like, because he's sure not covering it up. And it's just so beautiful to know that, like, okay, for example, there was this sermon I listened to from Tim Keller, who is a legend and the sermon is on psalm 88 and i think the sermon title is psalm 88 and it's if you read psalm 88 it is literally just i i think it was david i can't be sure but um he is just like ab in in just agony and he's just like he's mad. He's mad at God. He's upset. He's 
all he can do is cry and like, and, and he's just angry and he's just frustrated and he's, he like senses all this injustice and doesn't know what to do with it. And the, when Tim Keller was so encouraging about this chapter, because he's like, God could have easily left Psalm 88 out of the Bible. Like he could have, because that chapter is nothing but like, pretty much I hate life. God, get away from me. Everything sucks. And God was like, you know what? Let's include that. Because that, like, like knowing that God wanted us to read that and wanted us to see that part of humanity, which is only, and that's just one chapter. You know, it's everywhere in the Bible. Grief is is literally everywhere in the Bible. And it's just so encouraging that God wants us to be so open and so real with him. Because what I learned kind of early on, I would say probably after like six months after my dad passed is, you know, I had said that I had a lot of anger. And what I learned was instead of being angry internally and thinking, you know, how could God do this? How could God allow this to happen? Why does he allow this kind of stuff to happen? Is he actually really there for me? Like, there's no way. Instead of thinking those things about him, I started, you know, after kind of reading and discovering, like, oh, these people are, like, talking to God. Like, in Psalm 88, he's, like, talking to God about this stuff. And it's like, so when I started actually talking to God and saying, hey, I don't understand why you allowed this. I don't understand why you have brought this into my life and why this is happening and why he got so sick and suffered that bad. Like, why did you allow it? You know, and when I shifted that narrative to asking him these questions, that changed everything because instead of being met with like, how dare you ask me? I am over you and I know what I'm doing. And which is, you know, he could easily respond that way and easily. And, you know, he would still be just as good, obviously. But, like, the fact that I was met with his response of just knowing he was sitting with me, like, I imagined Jesus just patting my back. And, like, while he's wiping my tears, he's wiping his own tears. And he's like, you know... I, 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 I don't know, like I, which he does, but like, just him validating and attuning me of being like, this sucks, you know, this really sucks. And like, knowing that Jesus was sitting there being like, hey, this is awful. And know that I hate this for you more than you even hate it for yourself. Because I love your dad more than you even love him which is like such a for me when when I realized that God loved my dad more than I loved my dad that was like a that was also a pivotal moment for me in my grief because I was like no you don't there's no way and to realize that oh he actually he does love my dad more than I do and if he does then he knows what he's doing. 
And even if I can't understand, and I don't, and I, and I probably won't, but if I know God's character, and if I know, which I can never fully know his character, but if I learn about his character as much as I can and ask him to reveal himself to me and ask him to continue to show me the depths of his character and the depths of his love, then that really does change genuinely everything. And it also, like, one more thing that really helped too is knowing that and this was an image I think God kind of provided for me when my dad was still sick. And it's an image that has helped me so much throughout my grief as well. But I, you know, have looked at my dad and his illness and everything and just wanting so desperately to take it away. Like, I remember watching him be so, so sick. And he was so active and he was like before he was so active and healthy and so full of life. And so to see him suffer that much was so inhumane. And I just remember wanting so badly to just swap, to just take his place and be like, please, like, I, I literally don't want you to ever have to go through that. Like, please, please let me take it. And not being able to do that was really frustrating. Like <laughs> being confined to my humanity and not being able to swap places was genuinely a frustrating thing to have to just watch and not have any power in it and no control. And then I remember one day when I just, God literally just like kind of struck me. The spirit just really struck me with this image of, you know, how much I wanted, if, if I love my dad that much and want to stop his pain, you know, and then to think about God watching his son, who was in even worse pain than my dad was and being just ridiculed and harassed on literally every single level, verbally, emotionally, physically, mentally, like, and God watching his own son go through that. And God could have easily been like, nope, nope. I, I literally can't let this happen. We're, I, I'm going to, you know what? Come back. We're going to stop this. Humanity's going to just have to suffer because I can't watch you do this. He could have easily done that. Instead, he allowed him to go through it. And obviously like think about what would have happened if God did not like allow his own son to go through all of that and to die in the worst way possible. And it's only because he did allow that to happen that like we, that literally all of humanity is able to hope and love and believe and like, know that we get to spend eternity with God if we, you know, fully believe in him and believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he came here to save us. And 
like but the difference is there's a lot of differences between my dad and jesus but like the different like the big difference is you know they all had their answer at least a big part of their answer like three days after jesus died he resurrected and everyone was like oh you know you said this was gonna happen like you did like you did say this was gonna happen a lot and it actually did and now we're seeing you and in this resurrected body and it makes sense we know why you had to like we know why you had to die now we know why you had to suffer now and and everyone was especially like I think about like Jesus Jesus's mom you know who I can't imagine how like confused she was in those three days of you know between Jesus's death and his resurrection of like I thought he was the son of God like I literally carried him in my womb like he was my child. I thought he was the son of God. Now he's dead. You know, and just how confusing that must have been. And then three days later, you know, she got her answers of like, oh, right, right, right. And so for me, I just now I kind of have this sense of like, okay, the rest of my life is going to be like those three days, you know, where, okay, it's not three days, sadly, but like, it is this period of time where it's just unknown and I don't know why it happened. I don't know, you know, what the purpose is or if there's even a big, you know, like, but I do know that God doesn't allow stuff to happen just for fun. Like he doesn't just, he doesn't have no, like he's not out here just kind of watching us being like, okay, whatever, whatever he's gonna die whatever like there's I I I have this confidence and hope that you know because of his son dying and resurrecting like I now know that I can share this same hope and that no I haven't seen the resurrection yet and I haven't made it to that third day yet none of us have but like I know that that's gonna come and I know that that's gonna be something where it'll you know it will all make sense in a way I hope maybe hopefully I don't know Emma I words cannot express how just deeply humbled and thankful that I get to just listen to you um and it's a really beautiful it's a really beautiful gift that we've been given this this time together so I want to ask in the perspective of a friend how can friends help their grieving friends what are some things that you've experienced what are some some things that have helped and some things that have not helped like how can we help our grieving friends yes great question and I really do have a brief answer for this like actually so I will say some things that don't help are, you know, there are just some things that people can say and they have good intentions. They really do. But I think there's also this insecurity of like, what do I say? What do I say? And that's, that's totally understandable. But words are a lot more damaging than silence. 
Silence is beautiful. Silence is amazing. Words is a kind of a 50-50 shot. And here I have like just a couple of quotes that, you know, I've heard and that are all said with good intentions, but just don't really help. So like right after my dad passed, I would hear a lot, you know, but Emma, he's in a better place. But Emma, he's not hurting anymore. He doesn't have cancer anymore. He's so happy now. And that made me want to absolutely sucker punch every person that said those words. Because also, I don't know if sucker punch is actually a word. I don't even think it is. But like, I, because the reality is, because yes, that's true. All of those things are true. But when you're grieving, all you care about is, especially when it's that fresh, like all you care about is he's not here or, or whoever it is, that person's not here. I'm confused. I'm so hurt and sad. Nothing can help. Like, because as, as much as we as like a society, I think, want to lift people up out of their sadness and their grief, it's just impossible. Like, it, it really is like, I mean, when it's just that fresh and like you, there just are not words. I mean, that can genuinely help someone who is grieving. And so I, I, I really believe that the best way is for people to, there's this um, illustration. There's like a YouTube video by, I think it's Brene Brown. I'm pretty sure, but it's about empathy and it's where like this person is just like weeping so sad and this person's like down deep in this hole buried in the ground and these people keep coming up and are like shouting from the top of, you know, like of the big hole, like the, the weeping person at the bottom, people come up to the top of the hole and are like kind of saying stuff from the top, like, Hey, it's okay. You don't have to be sad. It's going to be okay. Everything happens for a reason. It's okay. You know, and that person just keeps sinking lower and lower and lower. And then finally, somebody comes in, gets to the like, jumps in the hole, sits down next to them at the very bottom, and just doesn't say anything, just sits there. And that really is the best way to help somebody in their grief because that's the biggest thing that will help somebody to like start moving up and like to start healing is to just give them the space to actually grieve. And you can do that by even like, if you want to ask a question to kind of bring it up, you can say, you know, hey, tell me about your loved one. Tell me about their personality. Tell me some of your favorite memories with them and or maybe some of your least favorite memories or tell me how you really feel about the fact that they're not here. You know, just like giving them the space to legitimately grieve is such a beautiful thing. And, and one more thing that I would advise against as well that I kind of forgot, but there's totally a time for like bringing up your own loss, if you have a loss that is like similar or, you know, 
I, I don't know, like there, there's, there's totally a time and place for that to be brought up as a friend of like, hey, you know, I can kind of relate or slightly understand how you might be feeling because I experienced ABC and, but there's also totally a time where that's not good. And like, you know, there's, you know, there are people who will say like, you know, oh, you lost your dad's cancer. Well, you know, my uncle's brother's cousin's dad's goldfish nephew's dog died of cancer when he was 105 years old. So I like totally understand what you're going through. You know, that's not necessary. That's not the time, right? Like, because that shifts from the other person's grief that they so desperately need to be seen in and felt in. Um, okay, so you've talked a little bit about what um, does help and what hurts. I love the idea of letting people heal in silence. I think that's beautiful. Um, what are some practical resources that, like, if someone that's listening to this is either struggling with grief and, like, working through the journey of grief, or if they know someone who's also walking through that, what are some, like podcasts or books or like people that they can go and listen to or read from what are some of those resources that you found helpful um i would say try and get plugged in to a group some form of grief group there are grief support groups everywhere every city has a grief support group of some kind there are faith-based ones not faith-based ones but i would just say to get community and to have people who can relate to some level, especially if they're closer to your age, that would be nice too. Um, if you're younger or if you're older, like, and, um, book wise, I think my favorite grief book is a grief observed by CS Lewis because he is such a role model in the Christian world where you know, it's hard to find, like, a believer who doesn't admire C.S. Lewis and his faith and his writings. And he has this book where literally it's like, it's his diary after he lost his wife. And he, it, it's just no filter. All of his emotions, how he feels towards God, his questions he has towards God, and his questions about life and death and it's just so painfully accurate to the journey of grief. And it's so beautiful and it ends so well with such hope. Just kind of at the very last page, you're like met with hope finally. And you're like, oh, <laughs> um, it's a short read. That, that one's incredible. And then there is a book called The After Grief. I can't tell you who the author is, unfortunately, because it just came to my mind. But The After Grief is just this book of, like, basically how to deal with your grief when it's been, you know, a few months, a few years, several, several years. And it's been a great resource for me. It's been very helpful. And then podcast-wise, if you're kind of in a fresher stage, especially 
Um, there's a podcast called I almost said a grief observed, but it's grief out loud. So the podcast is called grief out loud. And it is where literally a different person is interviewed for each episode about their story of grief and loss. And that's the whole podcast. And that was very helpful for me when I initially lost my dad for like, I would say the first year, because it helped me to not feel so alone. Because I was able to listen to other people my age and having these similar stories to me. And it was really comforting to know that I wasn't like the only person going through this. And so that was helpful. And then gotta give a shout out to my most favorite podcast in the entire world. I can't say enough about The Place We Find Ourselves by Adam Young. The Place We Find Ourselves by Adam Young. Greatest podcast, greatest podcaster. Like I can't. Um, I have three episodes from him that I would love to suggest. Um, one of them is episode nine on that podcast, which is called why engaging your story requires anger at God. <laughs> Juicy. Like, don't you want to listen to that? Anyways, the next one is episode 13, your wounds and the path to healing. Okay. Life-changing. And then the last one, which you should listen to every one of them, but just these specifically are like more grief related and loss related. So this one, why your story makes it hard to hope, which is episode 18. And that one is incredible. And yeah, I just, I, I can't say enough good things about it. So uh, thank you for those. I knew you were going to say the last three and I really I need to go listen to them because you talk about them every single time we talk so um these are these are real recommendations guys so is there anything that we did not talk about or that you did not say that you want to make sure you say before we wrap up you know what I'm gonna say one verse I'm going to share psalm 2713 <gasps> stop that's my life verse stop no it's not yes it is of course it is of course it is because we are the worst we are the worst and um, i love it all right share it sis fine yet i am confident that i will see the lord's goodness while i am here in the land of the living can i share verse 14 absolutely wait for the lord be strong and let your heart be courageous wait for the lord i mean come on <laughs> man I mean, okay that'll preach all day um, Emma, it is literally my honor to allow you, not allow you to host you on this podcast. No, but it's my honor. It's literally my privilege to be here. Like, I'm so happy to be here. Seriously. Thank you guys. I love no, you like, so no. dearly. Thank you so much. Seriously. Getting to talk about my dad at all is like, so honoring in itself. So I'm so happy to be able to share. Here's, um, can I end, we have, we're, we need to do the benediction. And then I also would love to end by quoting you back to you. That's not too weird. So I'm going to quote you from an Instagram post that you quoted or posted. So just, you know, buckle in. Not actually, it's like two sentences. So um, this was a few years ago, I think. I think this was maybe a year ago, year and a half ago. But you said it is in all caps, a miracle that I get to know without a shadow of a doubt that I will be with my dad again. 
until then, God will be working miracles constantly, just not in the way I may think or expect. And I think that's exactly a great way to summarize hope in the midst of grief is God will be working miracles constantly, just not in the way we may think or expect. Um, And I will say again that I'm honored to be able to see you walk this journey up close and everything you said today is true and is what you have walked through. And it is just a beautiful story that God is weaving for you, even in the pain and the grief of it all. So I'm really grateful for you. And um, with that, we'll go into our benediction. Uh, May we allow ourselves and others to heal in the beauty of silence. May he become greater and may we become less. And may we go in grace and peace to love and serve the Lord. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you soon.